I think that perfection and procrastination are two sides of the same coin. So what we're saying publicly is it's around wanting it to be perfect, wanting our decision to be perfect, wanting the product to be perfect, when actually we're just procrastinating. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. So today's guest is a woman on a mission to help people across the world to truly realize their self-worth. She is a serial entrepreneur and author who was awarded an MBE for her series to business and entrepreneurship. Her latest book, Fix Your Shit, is a straightforward guide to a better life. I'm so mega happy to be joined today by a woman who was named by the Sunday Times as one of the UK's 20 most influential entrepreneurs. Wowzers. Welcome to the show, Shah Wasmond. Thanks, my love. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And as as I mentioned last week, we're not able to record in the studio, unfortunately, in London. So we are recording this remotely. So for the listeners, I'm sure they can understand as we are all locked down, staying safe in our homes, but we're doing the very best that we can to keep the podcast coming every single week. So thank you, Shah, for giving us your time. Uh, you're very, very welcome. And yeah, as we record this, we are, I think we're coming up, this is the end of the first week of our official lockdown, I think. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting because obviously people will be listening to this uh, in, you know, maybe a year, even two years time. And they'll be looking back on all the things that we don't know that are yet to unfold. So it's interesting times for us right now. Absolutely, absolutely. History in the making. So, Char, I mean, where should I start with you? You have done so much. You've achieved so much. You know, going through your your just list of credentials and, and all the things you've done, the books that you've written, you know, you've just you've done so much. I don't really know where to start. But I would say I read that in 2015, you decided to quit your job as CEO of your very successful company. So what was it that led you to that decision? So let's let's put a little bit of context around this because I think it's really helpful for people listening. Um, so often it can be really easy to see someone, hear someone, watch someone and come to the mis- misconception that it was somehow easier for them. And yet truthfully, nine out of ten times, that's not true. And, and when we jump to those conclusions, we do both them and ourselves a disservice. We do them a disservice because we don't know what they've had to go to get to where they've got to. But more importantly, we do ourselves a disservice because when we do that, another little voice in our heads is telling us that this isn't possible for us, that somehow this person has some magic source, that they somehow won the genetic lottery for one reason or another, and we don't have that, so we can't do that. So I really want to put that straight now because I want to make it clear that, that I genuinely don't believe that there's anything I've done in my life or my career that other people can't do. 
I'm not a neurosurgeon. I, you know, I, I don't have some extraordinary um, ability to do anything other than I think I'm pretty much like Olympic gold medal status at taking action. And that doesn't mean that everything I do always works. It just means over the years I've got used to things not working and I'm okay with that. So that links back into your question, which is even in, I guess in your introduction, the things that I've done in my career, I've always been a massive believer that if you don't enjoy what you're doing anymore, stop and pivot and do something differently. Which is why when we're in the middle of this kind of coronavirus time and a lot of people are panicking because they don't have businesses online. My mission right now is actually to help as many businesses as possible get online. And I've been running an online business for, you know, four, nearly five years now. And I've never been afraid of pivoting before, I guess, we even start to use that word. And I would, again, encourage people to just ask themselves, you know, if what you're doing with your life right now, whether it's your career, a relationship, or even a friendship or anything, if you feel like you're on a dead end road, if it looks like a dead end road, if it feels like a dead end road, the chances are it's a dead end road and you need to stop and turn around and get off it. And that's how I felt in 2015. I felt like I built something that I that just didn't spark joy for me anymore. It, it was, I found myself ending up working with big corporate companies, which isn't my jam. Like I'm good at it, but it doesn't set my soul on fire. And I'd always wanted to be able to work much more directly with small business owners and entrepreneurs and people who maybe had a, a job and a career but actually wanted to transition and start their own, own business because A, I feel like running your own business gives you so much more freedom. But as far as I'm aware, we've only got one life. And, and personally, I want to I wanna spend it doing things that I love with the people that I love. And you have a lot more choice to do that when you run your own business. And for me, it was a no-brainer. I um, <laughs> It was... It was, this is a true story, even though it sounds like it's some kind of marketing spiel, I promise you it's a true story. I received the front cover of my um, of my second book, Do Less, Get More. And I was so happy because the cover of it was just everything that I wanted it to be. I was on holiday in uh, Portugal with one of my best friends. And she just said to me, oh my God, like, you're so, like, I can see how much, how passionate you are about this. She said, I just don't get it though, Sean. Why have you never done this full time? And by this, what she meant was create content, teach, write books, all of that. And I looked at her and before I could even catch myself, what I said was, because creators can't make real money. And what I realized in that moment was growing up, single parent family on a council estate, somehow that's the limiting belief that I grew up with. Whether it was that I saw that around me or I didn't have any direct role models of people to relate to who were creative and made real money. My mum was an English teacher. She made nothing. Um, and I just knew that I wanted to be financially stable and secure. So I didn't want to go down that path. But then I had this massive realisation. I literally could see the words falling out of my mouth and I was trying to catch them because even in the moment, I knew how stupid that was. I mean, let's face it, JK Rowling is creative and she's a billionaire. If we think about it, we can always find examples to prove or disprove whatever our beliefs are. And it just hit me like I'd literally been smacked across the head with a baseball bat. So I pulled out my laptop and within 15 minutes, this is a true story, I've resigned. I sent a letter to my board um, 
And I also resigned from two other non-exec board positions that I held. And I literally burned all my bridges. Uh, a lot of people thought that I was having some kind of midlife crisis. I'm pretty sure they only say that to women, by the way. And I, um, I said, I just want to do this because if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? If not now, when? And that was it. No turning back. Wow. Well, there's so many things, Shai. I didn't want to interrupt you, but there's so many things then when you were speaking that I was thinking about. Firstly, you know, you say there's no secret sauce. You're not, you know, superhuman. You've just, you know, you've worked hard. You've you've done the things. You've taken action. But what I would say is it's very aware to me straight away, you know, self-awareness, you know, the self-awareness to know, OK, these are my strengths. This is what I'm good at. These are my weaknesses. These are the things that I know I enjoy, the things that I, as you said, will bring me joy. I know this is not my jam. Like having that self-awareness piece, I think, is incredibly important. I think for a lot of people, perhaps if they never take the time because they've gone through a system and as you said with limiting beliefs around I'm going to go to school I'm going to go to university I'm going to do this career I'm going to work for this person I'm going to climb the ladder etc etc I've never done that path and I've definitely had you know an eclectic and creative career but for a lot of people who they kind of they struggle to get their head around it they've only seen one way and they've never taken the time to sit back and go you know to be self-reflective to be to gain that self-awareness around what is possible for them what they you know would enjoy what they wouldn't enjoy and I think until they come maybe step away from it completely are forced to be out of that environment maybe right now maybe that's the situation I think it's difficult sometimes with people they'll say to me oh Adrian I'm really envious because you know exactly your why you know what you want to do you've got this passion but not everybody has that I'm just like maybe I don't have one thing that like sparks for me so I was definitely thinking about that when when you were speaking and then and then secondly was what you described around having that belief because of, for example, your circumstances, what you'd seen modelled by your mother. You know, that I think informs so much of our personality and our, our choices that we might not even be aware of. Yeah, I think the worst or the hardest limiting beliefs are the ones that you can't see. They're the invisible ones, right? Because if you can see that you've got a limiting belief, at least you can acknowledge it and then you can try to address it. But this was clearly something I'd carried with me for a very long time, wasn't conscious of it, wasn't aware of it until it suddenly like sideswiped me out the blue. But I am pretty world class at taking action. And I realized it literally in that moment, if I didn't do something, I was never going to do something. And it's, it's funny because I would never jump out of, I would never do a bungee jump. You're never going to catch me jumping out of a plane. Um, but taking risks like that, I'll do them all day, every day, because I feel like I have that in my control. Mm. Like, like most entrepreneurs, I kind of quite like to be in control of my work, my life, my, you know, my environment, right? And, and that's not in a controlling way. It's more that I don't want anyone else to be telling me what I should be doing, right? Mm. I'm prepared to take those, those risks myself. But it's just that I, I, I don't want to take risks that involve me um, being reliant on somebody else. So, yeah, the, the self-awareness piece is so important. And these are the things that, that I think they take time and experience and mistakes. And it doesn't come to you at a certain age or a certain point in your life. I feel, firstly, you've got to be open to them. To, to, to the learnings and the mistakes and then secondly you've got to give yourself time to be self-aware you've got to give yourself time to reflect and think mm. but not too much time because if you give yourself too much time you kind of end up wallowing in things and yeah, so it's start. a balance 
right? You don't want to go down that diet downward spiral, but you want to kind of let yourself go down a tiny bit that when you get to a point where you're feeling shit and you're like, hold on a second, I need to sort this out because you then use that as momentum to drive yourself forward. Mm. And for, for me, that's always been the case. Yeah. I guess when, when, when you grow up in a situation where you really have to rely on yourself a lot more than maybe other people would, you, you have to be not just self-aware, but you need to be resilient absolutely absolutely I couldn't agree with you more well I was going to loop back to that actually what you said about risk I had a question for you about risk because often I think I can relate to what you said around controlling situations and and not necessarily being you know in control of everything but knowing that you are driving something in a certain direction and and as you said you're not at the mercy of of other people perhaps it's decision making etc so when it comes to risk I think even the word risk people think of it as like oh if you if you are not risk averse then you're reckless or you're you know all of that when actually I think it can kind of be the opposite I think perhaps you know taking risks you know it takes courage you can you know you have to think through the different steps you know the different outcomes as you said way up the 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 failures and actually taking accountability and responsibility I think is what I see when people take risks is that they're happy to say I will take the responsibility it's not going to fall to anyone else if this goes great I did that and if it goes badly that's on me as well so yeah what's your what's your viewpoint when it comes to to taking risks but also just decision making in general what to say yes to what to say no to so firstly, I listen to my instinct a lot, and I don't believe instinct is like this woo-woo thing. I think it's a super practical, scientific superpower that if we all tapped into, it's a little bit like a cross between the Matrix and what was that film with the blue pill where you suddenly are able to do everything quicker and faster? Because I feel that what happens when you listen to your instinct is you're in any given situation, and your instinct goes into your brain, and it recounts thousands hundreds of thousands of of, of similar things you've been in seen done heard conversations on some that you were participating some that you're on the periphery on and it takes all of that data and it brings it straight back and what your instinct does is tells you what you should be doing based on all of your prior experience of life and when you don't listen to it that's when most of the time it goes wrong and when you do listen to it that's when most of the time it goes right there's always a room for error but I really feel that instinct is not some spiritual connection and I'm not dissing the spiritual connection. That's just, I'm super practical and logical and scientific. And for me, my instinct is literally like a computer analyzing data and coming back and telling me what I should or shouldn't do. That's amazing. But for you, you said already that you take action. So you're somebody who implements action, you implement change. So for someone listening who says, okay, instinct, I've got it. You know, I had this opportunity and straight away I thought, yes. But then what comes next for them was barriers. Like, what about this? What about that? I'm not sure if I could do this. How's that going to impact, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these barriers. You know what? I can't do it. So the instinct is telling me yes, but my mind and everything is telling me there's all these things in the way. Okay, three things. One, the first thing you have to do is take immediate action to create momentum to follow up on what your instinct was telling you to do. Do not let the monkey brain in your head start having those conversations. So pick up the phone, say yes to something, reply to the email, reply to the text, reach out, commit yourself publicly so there's no going back. So even if those monkey brain chatters go on in your head, you've already taken yourself too far forward to be able to remove yourself because ultimately you know you want to be doing this or pursuing this. Secondly, indecision is a decision, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to accept that. If you, if you are going to keep having these conversations and I'm in an hour in, indecision is a decision. So you're not sure what to do, but that is a decision in itself. 
And it's very rarely the decision that you actually are happy with making. And the third thing is I find it really interesting how, um, how human psychology works and how our brains operate because I think that perfection and procrastination are two sides of the same coin. So we say that what we're trying to do is analyze all of it, make the best decision. We want to make it perfect. It's not quite good enough yet. So what we're saying publicly is it's around wanting it to be perfect, wanting our decision to be perfect, wanting the product to be perfect, when actually we're just procrastinating. I can, yes, totally relate. I know so many people that do that, especially because I've got lots of creative uh, friends, lots of freelancers, lots of self-employed people. And it's difficult, I think, when your work is you know, personal and very close to you because you feel like it's not necessarily you're putting forward like a product or a service, but you're actually putting forward yourself. And I think often yeah. I hear that about, as you said, it's not quite right. It's got to be this. I don't want to rush it. I don't want to put something out that's below par, blah, blah, blah. When actually, as you said, it is the ultimate procrastination tool to be like, I just need to tweak and refine it. Uh, I, I, call it I call it the if then when syndrome. If I do this, when this happens, then I'll do that. When I've just finished this course, then I'll be qualified to do this, this, and this. If this happens, then I'll be able to do that. When my kids do this, then I'll be able to do this. There's always an if or a when in order to get to the then. You're speaking my language, Shah, honestly. I don't know how we've never met sooner. I feel like if we were sat in the same room for too long, the energy will explode. <laughs> I'm so happy. Right. This so is... that's what we're going to have to do is when we're all out of this isolation, we're going to have to figure out and meet up absolutely absolutely I'm going to put it in my diary as soon as we're allowed to yeah make physical plans because I keep thinking I'll do that and then I look in my diary and it's white space um okay so I want to loop back to your book how to fix your shit and I like the fact that you talk about why and how because often you know that's what people need they need the why and they need the how so What I read was, if you have ever dreamed of doing something new, but you haven't got round to it, actually making it happen, this is the time to work out why and fix it. I mean, it sounds like we all need that book right now. Thank you. Well, I'm a big believer in writing books that I think are really practical, that empower the reader to make change for themselves. So rather than writing a book where I'm providing you with all the solutions, really, I'm just giving you some tools that you can use yourself difference between teaching a man you know giving a man a fish and teaching him how to fish massive difference and again I keep everything really really practical interestingly so much of what we've already talked about is is in the book why you need to be self-aware do you really want to be doing this like what what the difference between a want and a need like lots of people you know they say they want to get fit but they prefer to watch Netflix and eat Ben and Jerry's right They say they want a great relationship, but they don't really want to put themselves out there or they're too scared. You know, you say you want something, but actually you prefer people say that they, you know, they they want to start their own business, but they prefer the stability of their current job. So really ask yourself, how important is this to you? And instead of conning yourself, pretending that it's something that you want, is it actually true? Because when you find the things that you really want, that's when you can get focused on making change. And so often I think that we get caught up in the things that we think we should want, the things that we think we should do, rather than, again, going back to the whole perspective of self-awareness, who am I? What do I really want? Not, not what did my parents want? Not what does my husband or my wife or my partner want? Not, not what did the school think I should be doing? But right here, right now, today, listening to this, 
what I want to do. Just because I've done this for 10, 15 years, is this still what I want to do? If it is, phenomenal, fantastic. And if it's not, stop. Absolutely just stop. You know, you have one life. There is nothing wrong with doing five different things. And there's nothing wrong with doing one. It's about having that self-awareness within you to understand what is it that you really want? Who do you really want to be? And how close to that are you right now? And if you're not taking steps to get closer to it every day, you're actually taking steps to get further away from it. Yeah. And do you think, you know, when you said then, you know, do you think often people are afraid to change or make a change because they it's a perceived failure? You know, if you've set out to do something and you're like, this is what I'm doing. And as you said, I've done this for 10 years, or I've done this for 15 years, or maybe you've only done it for a year or two when you I realize think, you don't actually want that, but it's perceived as a failure because, oh, you've given up or you've changed your mind. I think that that can definitely be the case for some people. And I think society and the people around us put us under probably more pressure than we put on ourselves for that because listening to your instinct, you know that you don't want to do this anymore. Last year, I closed a seven-figure part of my business. So there was a part of my business that was doing a million pound plus turnover a year, and I really didn't enjoy it. And I just literally made a decision, I'm not doing that anymore. I cut a third of my revenue, and if I make it back this year, it will be a miracle. But I'm okay if I don't, because I'll figure it out next year. I don't want to be doing anything I don't want to be doing, unless it sets my soul on fire. Uh, everybody listening to this, I promise you, you can find something and someone and people and careers and businesses that set your soul on fire. So, so don't, for anything, settle on mediocrity. Like tolerable mediocrity, I think, is the worst. Tolerable mediocrity is where you you just make do and you put up because you know what? It's not so bad that you feel enough pain to remove yourself from the situation. But ultimately, over years, whether it's your career, your friendships, or your relationships, tolerable mediocrity is like a slow death. Gosh, yeah, when you put it like that. And you know what? I actually listened to someone recently talk about he wished that everybody would hit rock bottom. Because as you said, I think for a lot of people who live in that middle space, that tolerable mediocrity, they don't have the impulse to make change. Because as you said, it's not that bad. It's not like, oh, you know, the relationship's terrible or, oh, I hate the job. Or, you know, sometimes it's like it's good, but it's not great. You know, I'm not going to look back on my deathbed and be like, oh my gosh, it was the best, but it was okay. So it's like, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Adrienne, you always want more. You always want bigger, better. What about just chill? It's fine. But actually, and, and there is a balance for that. Idea. There is. And I've been told that my whole life, so I totally get it. But there's a difference. I mean, if your relationship, your business, your career is good, I think that's okay. Would you like it to be great? Yeah. But if it's good, I think you can work on it to make it great. But good enough is not good enough. Do you see the difference? Mm -hmm. Like, if I say something is good, I can work on good to make it great. But if I say, well, you know, it's not that bad. If anyone ever says to you it's not that bad, it is that Mm -hmm. bad. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And who wants to, exactly, who wants to get to the end of whatever it is, a career, a life, a journey, and say, it wasn't that bad. You know, I got through it. Like, we don't want to get through this one life, as you said, that we have. No way. 
Oh my God, this is great. This is great. So I guess given the timing and the situation that we are now all faced with, if there's anyone listening to this who is maybe a creative and entrepreneur, maybe they're not, maybe they want to be, or maybe they're panicking right now thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? Wouldn't it be so much better if I was working for this company and getting, you know, whatever the income is or I don't know, 80% furlough, whatever. But actually now I've started this thing. I'm out here. You know, they might be panicking. Do you have any advice for them right now in terms of A, how they could adapt to the situation and B, how to just, I guess, manage that that panic mindset? Yeah, a couple of things. Firstly, I would say find a tribe, like find your community. Um, I, I've got a Facebook group with 12,000 small businesses, entrepreneurs in it. And what I've noticed over the last two weeks, more so than ever, is how much everybody wants a sense of community. If, if sometimes being an entrepreneur can be a lonely journey and just because you choose to do this doesn't mean your friends do, doesn't mean your family does, doesn't mean that they all understand you. So you want to find a safe place to go and be honest about how you're feeling. And I guess tied into that, I would say ask for help. Where is it that you're stuck? Find someone or some place or some people that you can go and ask for help from. I'm a massive believer that asking for help is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. I'm, again, world-class at asking for help. So, you know, there might be two things that I'm world-class at. One is taking action, and the other is asking for help. If I don't know how to do something, I'll be the first one to put my hand up. I never think that's a sign of weakness, because I guarantee it, the person who's going to help me, there'll be something that I know that they don't know. Mm. Something. And when you ask for help, there's a couple of things that happen. A, Nine out of ten times you get the answer and the solutions, which helps you move forwards and not feel overwhelmed and not be stuck. The second thing is you give somebody else permission to ask for help for themselves in the future. So every time we ask for help, we're giving other people permission to do the same. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is scientific studies have proven this time and time again that actually the person who is helping you gets just as much benefit and satisfaction from helping you as you do from receiving the help. So don't be greedy, ladies and gentlemen. Go and ask for help. Yes, absolutely. I know that I um I can tell I do mentoring and I have mentees and as the person who is the mentor as you said I feel like I get just as much if not more out of the conversations out of trying to help them because yeah there's in fold it's always like I'm learning something new I'm challenged to go away and think about something or research or recommend a book and actually it's just and you feel good like doing things in the service of others when you're not being paid and there's no uh kind of trade-off of I don't know it's just a good feeling you know it's good to know that you can help someone out because I'm sure I mean I wouldn't be where I am today if for all the people that hadn't helped me out a hundred percent i like there is no way i would be who i am today if it hadn't been for the people who believed in me who put their neck on the line for me who pulled me up who pulled me out of situations so i feel like you pay it forward right you do it for somebody else yes absolutely and, and Shah, can you tell us what's the name of the facebook group if people want to join can anyone join Frida. Yeah, anyone can join. Um, it's completely free. There are no promos. You're not going to get into a group with suddenly like a gazillion people selling at you, it's really, which is really important to me. It's called the Freedom Collective. And if you just go to sha.com, S H A A, weird name, easy to find, S H A A.com, you'll find it on the homepage. Fantastic. I shall be joining today. 
Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Okay, so I also want to talk to you now about the Power Hour. So, you know, listeners of the show will know that I'm an early riser and that for me, creating that hour in the morning, reclaiming time for myself, whether that's to train for a race, whether that's to work on a project, it is invaluable to me. And since I started doing it, I can't imagine my life now waking up later in the day when everyone else needs me and, you know, my time and attention is is just distracted. So, Shah, you have, as I said, done so many things. You're such a successful, empowering, amazing woman. I want more. Like, literally, this episode, I'm already just like, oh, I want more. So I'd love to know what time you wake up in the morning and if you have a morning routine, what's the first hour of your day like? I, I absolutely have a, a morning routine. I've had it since I was probably 21. Um, I wake up between 5 and 5.30, and I've got to be honest, it's harder in the winter and so much easier in the summer. There are occasions in the winter when it's dark when I wake up at about 6, maybe 6.30, that's rare. The first half an hour is just for me, and um, it, it depends. I'll just, I, I can't pretend that I have hot water in there, and I go straight for the espresso machine, have my coffee, sit down, and I think about my day. What is it I've got to do? What are the big things on my, on my list, on my plan? And the first thing after that that I do is I get dressed and I run out the door. So um, I only started running a few years ago. I'm asthmatic. I found running really hard. I couldn't even run a mile. Um, I'm a little bit upset, I've got to be honest, because I signed up for my first half marathon. I was supposed to be doing the Hackney Half, and it's obviously been cancelled, but I'm trying to keep my Postponed, postponed. When it does happen, I shall be there with you because I'm also going to run. I, I run the Hackney Half every year, so I'll be there. Do you? Yes. Okay, all right. Awesome. So I think it's postponed to October or November. I can't remember if they've actually given the date. But I've just decided that I'm going to keep up my running schedule. And on the date that I was supposed to do it, I'm just going to go around 13 miles anyway. Amazing. I love that. Like, that's it. I'm just going to do it anyway. So I'm a huge believer in waking up early. Um I, I can't comprehend people who who tell me that there is absolutely no way that it's of a benefit, that actually there's just a much benefit. Because when you say that it's quiet in the morning, so some people will say, yeah, but I do my best work between 11 and 1 a.m. Now, my, my view, and I, I think this has been proven many times in different studies, is that your brain logically has to perform at its best when it's been rested. So by the time you get to 11 o'clock at night, you might have convinced yourself that this is your best time. But I would ask you to reconsider that because by that time, your brain has already been up, working, operating for many hours. I just find that 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 time in the morning, a couple of things, the logistical fact that it's a quiet time, your kids aren't up yet, you know, other than you and I, there's not that many crazy people who get up at 5, 5.30am, right? In fact, my friends all joke, saying, oh my God, you have to mute shot every night before you go to bed. Because <laughs> otherwise, you get WhatsApp messages coming through at 5.30am and you just know they're only coming from one person. Um, it's the quiet time that you get, but also your brain. I think that I do my best creative work in the morning. I think I get more done between 5 and 7 than I probably do in the rest of the day. 
Honestly, I said those exact words yesterday in a phone interview. Shah, I think we were separated at birth. For anyone listening to this, they're going to be like, is is she just giving her the script? Because the power hour, honestly, when I tell people around, you know, as you said, I even had a sleep expert talking about this X and Y chromosome of the night owl and the morning lark, etc. But I think, as you as you said regardless of whether you are, you know, more prone to wanting to sleep in or wanting to work late. As you said, throughout the day, we make so many decisions. We have emotional fatigue. We have all of these things. So to do your best, like, to, you know, I know this word optimum seems to be of the moment, but to do your like optimum, to be creative, to, as you said, I do so much more in even just one hour between 5.30 and 6.30 than I do in the whole afternoon. Because you're not distracted by anyone and you're not even distracted by yourself. You're not distracted by social media. You're not distracted by people. You're not distracted by kids. You're not distracted by your own thoughts that come from other conversations you've had throughout the day. There is, I mean, yeah, I, 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 you know, I've been doing this for 20 odd years. So, yeah. Yeah. And you said you only recently started running. So I quickly want to circle back to that because I am a runner. I love to run. I'm always encouraging other people. And I say to them, you will find benefit in running, whether it's physically or mentally, once you get over the barrier of thinking that you're not a runner, you know? So when did you, when did you lace up and why? So it's funny. So I've always been a big swimmer. I'd always been pretty active. And then for a period of time through work, I just let my health and fitness go. And I'm only t- like I'm five foot four and I'm, a, you know, normally a size 10. And I put on 20 pounds, which when you're five foot four, you actually feel it. And I was just like, OK, you know, this isn't how I am normally. I, I need to do something. And so I went on a pre- I'm quite binary. It's one of my favorite words. So I'm either all in or I'm all out. So I was like, right, I went full on keto, even though I don't eat meat. So it was just like fish and veg and that was it. Like that's all I ate, eggs, fish, veg. I went full on keto. I lost the 20 pounds in like six weeks and and I never put any of it back on. And partly... um, How did you feel though? I'm sorry, I'm jumping in. But how did you feel? So Um, when you went keto, obviously you're doing no carb, no sugar, like that is hardcore. So although you're saying you're all in or all out six weeks that often some people will find it six hours is a challenge to go without carbs so how did you feel in yourself did you have energy did you feel good yeah I was fine I'm one of those people I just make a decision and that's it it's done that's my decision that's what I've made I've made the decision so stick with it like you know that I give myself a hard time like that's what you decided now if I had to do it without coffee i that would have been much harder for me to do than give up sugar. I'm, I'm cool with giving up sugar and I'm easy giving up carbs. It was, if I had to give up the, the coffee, that would be harder. Um, and the trailer is really interesting. I was working with a guy in the US, never met him. He charged $1,000 a month for um, what he called fitness stalking. So you couldn't get out of it. You had to weigh yourself every morning. You had to like send him your Apple Watch and what exercise you've done. And I'm so competitive. But I've always been one to believe in you compete with yourself and you collaborate with others. So all I cared about is what did I do yesterday and I have to do something better today. So I started off running and I found it super hard to even run a mile. Um, part of that was my limited belief, but part of it was real. I have asthma. I start off by doing um, 20 like on my knee push-ups. I, and I would do like 40 uh, squats and, and, and it was really simple. You ran, you did sit-ups, you did squats and you did push-ups. That was it. So that no matter where you were, you couldn't say you couldn't do it. And then uh, gradually the, the mile became two, became three, became four. 
truthfully, I don't really very rarely run more than five miles because I run consistently pretty much every day. I did four miles this morning. And the push-ups went from doing, you know, 20 to 30 to 40 to 100 a day. And then they went from doing them on my knees to doing full body, like proper proper men's push-ups. Um, although I don't know why they call them men's push-ups, women can do them too. I just can't do 100 all in one go. But, you know, I went through, I do 10 here, 10 there, 10 there. So I've stuck 100 up in a day. And I felt great. I felt fantastic. What Like, who doesn't want to feel great? It wasn't about getting to a certain size. It was getting to an optimum energy and fitness level for me. And everybody's an individual. It's what works for you. Mm, I love it. But I love that, as you know, you made that decision, you committed to yourself, but also to this trainer, which that sounds kind of like hardcore. I know for some people that would like that would be their nightmare, you know, like that kind of regimented and send me this and send me that. But obviously, again, self-awareness, you know, that is what you needed to commit. So what I'd say to anyone is whatever you need to do, you know, whether it's we want to run five miles, whether you want to run a half marathon. I always say that to people like set a goal and then figure out what is it for you that's going to get you there? Because I'm definitely an all or nothing person as well. But I know that for others, they need micro steps. They need baby steps. They need to go, okay, I can do this. That's going to give me the the kind of, I guess, the sense of achievement to, to motivate me more to get to the next one. But I'm I'm like you. I'm kind of like, I'm doing it or I'm not doing it. A hundred or zero, which has its benefits, yeah. but also has its, um, you know, I think it has its pros and cons for me anyway. Yeah, I think it has its pros and cons for, for everyone. I definitely knew what worked for me. And I knew that there was no way I was going to show up on a Zoom call with him the next day, having not done the exercise that I said I would do, because like the thought of having to tell somebody I was going to do something and then not doing it, it wasn't about letting the other person down, it's about letting myself down. And I am uber competitive, like, you know, in a different world, I probably should have been, you know, like a... I probably should have been like an Olympic athlete or something because my com my competitive levels are and always have been pretty much off the chart, but it's always been about competing with myself. Um, and in pretty much everything else, I'm a massive collaborator. So I always believe like, what can you and I do together that would be better than what you and I do separately? Mm. Yeah, amazing. Well, I think this is definitely a good time for that because as even though we're all separated right now, what I'm finding is actually I've saved two hours a day in commuting. I'm scheduling more time to, you know, connect with people, whether that's on a video call or a voice call who normally I might just, I don't know, email WhatsApp and say, oh, yeah, I'll see you. We'll catch up. Let's get a coffee. But we never actually do. So now we're scheduling in, you know, calls. I feel like if anything, people are not only willing to give their time but they're reaching out and they want to connect with others so I think this could be a fantastic time for people to collaborate because they can really get that one-on-one you know invested time together definitely 100% I think that you can always find a positive no matter how bleak the situation might look and oftentimes it's as simple as changing your perspective just just looking in a different direction Mm, absolutely so before I ask you my closing question I am sad that this is coming to an end before I ask you my closing question can you tell all the listeners of the show where they can get more where can they get the book where can they find you Shah because we all need this oh thank you I really appreciate it my love just go to shah.com uh s-h-a-a.com that's it shah.com s-h-a-a.com uh, Google me. Uh, I have a weird name, Shah Wasman. You can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, join my Facebook groups. But probably the easiest thing to do is literally just go to shah.com and everything is there. Amazing. And to the listeners, a note from me is that 
as Shah said, she's the queen of taking action. So if you are listening to this episode and you're feeling, you know, that spark of motivation or you're feeling a little energized, or you're feeling inspired, that is great, but it's just a feeling. So the thing that you can do, if you do one thing after listening to this episode to take action, I encourage you, I please, I beg you, go to Shah.com, get involved, dive deeper, look at the list of books, look at the amazing work that this woman has created. It's out there. The tools are there. So that can be your one thing of taking action. Then please go and do that and you will not regret it. Okay. So Shah, my closing question, which I ask to every single guest on the show this year, I am a huge believer in time. This thing people say, you know, I live with a sense of urgency and, you know, the power hour and also just not wasting the time that we have. So often people say to me, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. One day, one day, one day. So if you were given one extra hour from now on, every day is going to have 25 hours. What would you use the extra hour to do? Oh, great question. Um, I would use the extra hour to learn, to upskill, to uplevel, to read, to do a course, because... I find that that's the thing that I always want to do and it comes lower on my list. I'm, I'm good with carving out time for friends and family and work, like in the moment work, but there's always some course that I want to do that I just, I might even buy the course, but I just haven't done the course. Or there's always some book that I want to read and I just haven't got around to it. You, you wait until you're on holiday to, to read and I just think that's wrong. Or you wait till you're on holiday to to learn something and so that's yeah I would learn I would I would I would teach myself something new brilliant yeah so if you found yourself this right now with an extra hour like I said I've saved two hours a day commuting so if you now have an extra hour then yeah think about how you can put that hour to good use thank you so much Shah I've really really enjoyed having you as a guest on the show if I know the listeners which I think I do right now by now they're going to really really enjoy this as well and I'm sure they'll reach out to you with questions and maybe even to me as well so thank you for listening to the show stay safe stay well stay home let us know if you're enjoying the episodes you can rate and review them on iTunes as always you can get in touch on twitter on instagram all that good stuff receiving all of the messages from people listening to the show always makes my day so have an awesome week take care see ya thank you thank you, thank you so much bye, bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.